0: Many of you probably know, recognize, that historically, uh, most of us have names that were given to us based on uh, jobs that our ancestors used to do, right? So maybe if you know someone with the last name Carpenter, guess what their family probably did some time ago. They were carpenters. Or if your last name is Smith, right, your family probably made something, right? Or if your last name is Barber, guess what they did for a living, they cut hair, exactly. Now, in today's world, and I always think of Fletcher uh, as being, you know, Fletcher, especially if you translate it, has to do with arrows and bows. And I always have in my mind that we Fletchers were the brave warriors who shot out uh, the arrows in, in battle and everything. But we were probably just the guy who made the little arrows. But anyway, point is, the names relate to who we are and what we did. Now, today's world doesn't quite work that way. You know, our families expand and our children tend to do different things often than, than what we do. And so the names don't always match. And so when we find a name that matches someone's occupation, it's almost kind of funny. Right? It's kind of, it's kind of uh, ironic, even. Uh, and I remember in school, I had a, a geometry teacher whose name was Mrs. Angle. Perfect for her. And I've heard of librarians with the last name story. Right? It makes sense. Or how comfortable would you feel if your dentist was named Dr. Chu? Or your plumber was named Lee King? Write it down. Look at it when you go home. You'll understand. There's some names that seem to go together. Uh, with, with, with who, what someone is and, and what they do that makes sense. But then there's some other names that don't quite do that, right? Think about it. If you're a police officer and your name is Robin Banks, people might wonder about you. And I know it's kind of funny, you know, it's cute and we, we kind of get it, but if you are six foot five, 300-and-something pounds, People should not call you tiny. That's not funny, really. There's some names that we know don't really match. And so now I want you to put in your mind, think about someone who whom other people consider to be the most despicable person. Somebody that is thought of to be the most dishonest person. A cheater. A liar. Someone that is... Disgraceful, someone that you know everyone hates. Someone that you know no one trusts. I want you to imagine that that person's name is Zacchaeus. Now, what's interesting about that up front is that Zacchaeus, the, the translation of the name is innocent one or righteous one. And that's ironic for Zacchaeus because I think he has... A reputation as someone who is anything but those things. You see, in the world, in the biblical world, there are tax collectors who are the scum of the scum. People thought of them as that. There are the tax collectors, but then there are the chief tax collectors. The tax collectors' bosses. Y'all with me? And those people are the low of the low, because quite often to do their job, they have to take advantage of and steal from everybody else. That's how the system worked. That's how things were back then. And so as people come to know Zacchaeus, as they think of the reputation he has, and they think about what that name means, you can kind of see in their minds... (laughs) That's not who you are at all. But this chief tax collector one day hears that Jesus is coming to town and just like everybody else, he wants to be able to see him. So you can imagine, I imagine anyway, there's a crowd of people, there's a line of people throughout this city that are just waiting for him to pass by and here is Zacchaeus trying to find a spot going from place to place to be able to see the road where Jesus would pass through. But Luke tells us he couldn't because of the crowd. And we always assume that the short in stature he that Luke tells us about is Zacchaeus. Have you ever wondered maybe it was Jesus that was short? I don't know. I'm just reading that. It's kind of funny to think about. Maybe. Maybe. But anyway, he couldn't see because of the crowd. And I think, sure, okay, maybe Zacchaeus is the short one, and because people are a little bit taller, he can't see over them. He can't find a spot where he can get just perfect and and have that that view that he wants. I think it's more than that, actually. I think people know who Zacchaeus is. They know what they think about him. They know his reputation. And they aren't letting him see Jesus. Cause I don't know if you know this, but people can be like that, can't they? They're not letting him get it. You no, know, you, you go on over there. You go sit where you belong. You go with somebody else. Go do your own thing. If we have anything to say about it, you are not going to be a part of this. So, like he is, he, he does what we all remember him for he finds a tree. He climbs it. Some have suggested that the sycamore tree was a way for Zacchaeus to hide. You know, we have a, a good sense to know when we're not welcome, right? Or when somebody doesn't want us around. You ever had that feeling, you, think, you know what, I, I need to leave. So maybe Zacchaeus feels that way and he doesn't want to be seen with the crowd. He doesn't want to be around them. Certainly maybe doesn't want to be seen around Jesus, doesn't want Jesus to see him. He knows his reputation as well. So some have suggested that hiding in the tree is what Zacchaeus wanted to do. As you know, things don't always go the way we plan, right? And so as Zacchaeus is sitting in that tree waiting for Jesus and his entourage to come down, sure enough, here comes Jesus. And I don't know what Zacchaeus is thinking as he's looking down, you know, I thought Jesus would be taller in person, but yeah, you know this is this was worth this was worth it all. And all of a sudden, their eyes meet. Jesus, Zacchaeus, hey, hurry up and get down from there. I have got to go to your house today. You and I, I think, know Jesus, and we know that Jesus was the kind of guy to, you know go to the first person's house who he found in a tree. Um, <laughs> Jesus was that kind of guy. So we can appreciate that about Jesus, can't we? We can appreciate that Jesus doesn't care about your reputation, that Jesus doesn't care about where you're from or what you find yourself into. The important thing for Christ, is that you are a child of God. That's all that matters. The only thing that matters is that I have come to seek out and to save the lost. And as Christ's eyes met Zacchaeus' eyes, I think we can imagine that is his thought. Maybe there's a child of mine hiding. Hiding away. That's the good news for us, friends, that uh, we, we try to hide ourselves. We try not to be seen by God. But God is constantly seeking after us. But you know, not everybody appreciates that. Because you know what the crowd did. Jesus said, I want to go to your house, Zacchaeus. The crowd grumbled. Complain. Oh, I'm so glad church folk don't do that no more. They complain that Jesus would want to go be with this sinner. Thank God Jesus wanted to go be with that sinner. Amen. Because as I look around this wonderful congregation, I see a bunch of sinners too. Then Zacchaeus does something interesting, particularly for us today, as we're remembering our discipleship emphasis. This guy who perhaps went from place to place, jumping around trying to find a place to see, the one who had to run to a tree to find his place to hide, maybe, now comes down, and if you see what Mark did, says he stood there in front of everybody and before Jesus. He says, Lord... Of my possessions. And on top of that, if I've wronged anybody, I will get back to them four times as much. And quite often we see that in that story, that is a, a story, a reminder of our life with God. That we recognize that Zacchaeus has this instant conversion and realize that the first thing he has to do. There's another interesting way to read that story. Some have suggested that uh, perhaps uh, Zacchaeus isn't talking about what he will do, but instead he's talking about what he already does. And that in a way he's defending himself before all of these people and saying, thank you, Jesus, because I give half of what I have to those who need it. And if I by chance if I by chance cheat anyone I pay it back four times as much. I think both of those ways to read that story can be very faithful. In one, we might see a life turned around that recognizes that the almost first thing we do is to give. Or we might see that Here you have someone who already gives, who has a bad reputation for being someone who does anything but give. And when they realize what he really is, it changes their mind, perhaps, about what they thought about. In any event, the way way you read that, what we realize today, what I think we can say is that giving changes everything. Learning to give changes the way we live. And even our giving changes the people who receive our giving or who know about our giving. Are y'all with me? Giving changes everything. Now, we have to be sure about this because when we talk about giving in church, quite often we want to hurry up and say that, well, yeah, giving is not just about money. And friends, I'm going to tell you, that's fair. That's right. We give up our time, right? We give up our prayers or other resources, and that's fine. But you've got to realize, what did Zacchaeus give? He didn't say, God, I'm gonna give my time. He said, I'm gonna give half of everything I have. We've got to realize that we can be very general, and that's a good discussion, but we also gotta realize that giving financially is a part of our life with God. Giving is who we are as God's people. Because giving changes everything. Our faith as Christians, friends, is rooted in giving. The world's favorite Bible verse, For God so loved the world that he... See that? Can you imagine this discussion between God and Jesus? All right, Jesus, do you want to give... Off the gross or the net of your life. Which I mean let's let's work this out. Our faith tells us that Christ gave us everything. That's our example. That's our example as people. That is our example as a faith. That we are called. To give. We are called to give of ourselves. We are called to give. That's why as part of the Old Testament, we hear that word tithe. That becomes a requirement for God's people. And there's a lot of things you can say about it, but part of the issue was trust. That God wanted the people to know that when you give to me, part of what you are doing is trusting me. This whole deal about donations, mm-mm. Mm-mm. you give to God what's first. And you trust that God will give everything else. Now, is that hard to do? Yeah. It can be hard to do. It's part of our calling, it's about trust. So we realize that. There may be several reasons why giving doesn't sit well with us. Maybe we realize that, well, maybe we don't trust God as much as we sing about, and talk about. Or maybe we're just (laughs) stingy. Maybe we realize that, or we think that if I just hold on to it, I can get more of it, and if I get more of it, then I win. Friends, I've had the blessing in my life, to know people that have tried that and have had the wisdom and thankfully they've had the courage enough to tell me, John, don't be one of those people. Because all that did was bring me turmoil and pain. And then I think sometimes we just don't realize what our giving says about our faith in God. You know, we, we write the check that we write every week. And we just don't think about it. Or we think, yeah, this is kind of my donation. I want to give back to God. No, friends, not how it works. We give because God has given. We give because that's our faith. We give because we are learning to trust that God will continually give to us. I came across something this week um, that I think is very helpful for us today. Uh, a pastor said that you can give without loving. You can, maybe as we say, go through the motions. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. For God so love." The world, that He... you see that? God could have said, "I love you, now you're on your own." But that's not what our faith tells us. Faith tells us that God loved us enough to give. And you and I have to come to a point where we realize that our name as Christians has to mean that we are giving. That people know us as a giving people. We can't profess to be Christian and be known as one of the stingy ones. It just doesn't match. Because that's not what our faith is about. Our faith is about a God who has generously given to us. Our faith is about a people who then generously give for others, that's who we are, and that's our name. That's pray. God, how grateful we are to you for the great love that you have showered upon us each day. God, and how sorry we are that. We have not always received your love with a grateful and a hopeful heart. What we ask today is that you would help us to follow the example that we see in you. Example that we see from Zacchaeus. Because of the great work that we know, we have done, and are doing in our lives, that we, we would be able to respond with a giving Give us faith enough and trust enough in you to be able to be a giving, a giving life. In Jesus' name.